0: This episode of the MedBullet Step 1 podcast will go over the topic of loop diuretics from the renal section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 72-year-old woman with a history of congestive heart failure, hypertension, and myocardial infarction presents with dyspnea on exertion and orthopnea. She does not have chest pain and denies any fever or chills. She does note increased swelling of her ankles but denies any other changes. Physical exam is notable for inspiratory crackles on lung auscultation and 2 pitting edema on the bilateral lower extremities. Her physician increases the dose of one of her medications. One week later, she presents with muscle weakness and has an electrocardiogram that shows you waves. Serum electrolytes are drawn and her potassium level is found to be 2.8 milliequivalents per liter. Now let's get into this episode where we'll go over the loop diuretics of furosemide and ethacrynic acid. So starting with furosemide, the mechanism is blocking the sodium potassium chloride or NKCC co-transport system in the thick ascending limb of the loop of Henle. These electrolytes remain in the tubular lumen, which prevent the formation of the medullary concentration gradient and leads to less water reabsorption in the distal tubule. Know that blocking the NKCC co-transporter also prevents potassium back leaking into the lumen. This results in magnesium and calcium loss. In addition, increased sodium delivery to the collecting duct leads to increased exchange with potassium and hydrogen. As far as the clinical use of furosemide, it can be used in the setting of edema, hypertension, hypercalcemia, and anion overdose. The etiology of edema can be from decompensated congestive heart failure, or CHF, pulmonary edema, ascites in the setting of cirrhosis, and nephrotic syndrome. Furosemide used in the setting of hypertension is not first-line, however, is used in patients with concurrent hypertension and edema. Furosemide toxicity can cause ototoxicity, which is worsened with concurrent use of aminoglycosides, electrolyte changes such as hypokalemia, hypomagnesemia, rarely hypocalcemia, contraction alkalosis, and hyperuricemia, resulting in gout. Other examples of furosemide toxicity include dehydration, sulfa allergy, interstitial nephritis, and enhanced toxicity with digoxin and lithium. One miscellaneous point to mention is that non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs can decrease the response to loop diuretics due to decreased renal blood flow. Finally, let's quickly talk about ethacrynic acid, where the mechanism is a similar action to furosemide as it blocks the NKCC co-transport system. Know that ethacrynic acid is a non-sulfa drug and is specifically a phenoxyacetic acid derivative. Clinical uses include diuresis in patients allergic to sulfa drugs, and as far as toxicity, Ethacrinic acid is more ototoxic than furosemide. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 52-year-old man presents to his primary care physician with a one-month history of increasing abdominal distention. He says he noticed that his abdomen was getting bigger and that he was gaining a lot of weight. His past medical history is significant for schizophrenia and periods of homelessness. On presentation, he is found to have a distended abdomen with hepatomegaly. He is also found to have increased jugular venous pressure and bruises over his arms and legs. Labs are notable for an INR of 1.9. He is given a medication and told that the side effects include hyponatremia, hypokalemia, and hypocalcemia. Which of the following segments of the nephron is most likely targeted by this drug? And the choices are 1. Collecting duct. 2. Descending loop of Henle. 3. Distal convoluted tubule. 4 proximal convoluted tubule, and 5 thick ascending loop of Henle. The correct answer to this question is 5 thick ascending loop of Henle. So this patient with signs of cirrhosis and increasing fluid in his abdomen most likely has ascites, which can be treated with loop diuretics that have side effects of hyponatremia, hypokalemia, and hypocalcemia, and act on the thick ascending loop of Henle. To quickly review, loop diuretics block the sodium potassium chloride or NKCC co-transporter in the thick ascending limb of the loop of Henle. Since the transporter is responsible for the bulk of fluid reabsorption in this segment, loop diuretics are an effective way to increase diuresis in patients with fluid overload. Common disorders that are treated with loop diuretics include decompensated heart failure, pulmonary edema, and ascites in the setting of cirrhosis. An important side effect of loop diuretics is hypokalemia, so these drugs are often paired with a potassium-sparing diuretic such as spironolactone. Furthermore, since calcium reabsorption in the ascending loop of Henle depends on potassium recycling, loop diuretics can also lead to hypocalcemia. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, collecting duct is the site of action for spironolactone and amylaride. However, both of these drugs are potassium-sparing rather than potassium-wasting diuretics. Answer 2. Descending loop of Henle is a segment largely focused around passive water reabsorption. It is not targeted by any of the major diuretic classes. Answer 3. Distal convoluted tubule is the site of action for thiazide diuretics. However, these drugs actually cause hypercalcemia rather than hypocalcemia. And finally, answer 4. Proximal convoluted tubule is the site of action for osmotic diuretics, but these drugs would not lead to hypocalcemia, nor are they used in the setting of ascites. To leave you with a bullet summary, loop diuretics, which act on the thick ascending loop of Henley, can be used to treat ascites and may cause hyponatremia, hypokalemia, and hypocalcemia. Moving on to the next question, a 78-year-old man presents with a one-day history of increasing shortness of breath and difficulty lying down to sleep. His past medical history is significant for hypertension, myocardial infarction, and congestive heart failure. He denies chest pain and says that he has not noticed any other recent changes to his health. A physical exam is notable for inspiratory crackles on lung auscultation and 2 pitting edema on the bilateral lower extremities. His physician increases the dose of one of his medications. If this medication acts upon a co transporter that binds to both sodium and potassium, which of the sets of serum laboratory abnormalities would most likely be seen in this patient? And the choices are 1. Decrease potassium, calcium, magnesium, and bicarbonate. 2. Decrease potassium increased calcium and increased magnesium and decreased bicarbonate. Three, decreased potassium, calcium, magnesium, and increased bicarbonate. Four, decreased potassium and increased calcium, magnesium, and bicarbonate. And five, increased potassium, normal calcium and normal magnesium, and decreased bicarbonate. The correct answer to this question is 3. decrease potassium, calcium, magnesium, but increased bicarbonate. So this patient who is taking a medication that blocks a sodium and potassium co-transporter most likely takes a loop diuretic, which would result in hypokalemia, hypocalcemia, hypomagnesemia, and metabolic alkalosis. To quickly review, loop diuretics block the sodium-potassium chloride, or NKCC, co-transport system in the thick ascending limb of the loop of Henle. Loop diuretics are a potassium-wasting diuretic because they result in increased delivery of sodium to the collecting duct where it is traded for potassium. Hydrogen ions will also be exchanged for sodium in the collecting duct resulting in metabolic alkalosis. Finally, since the positive charge from the potassium leak in the loop of Henle is responsible for paracellular absorption of calcium and magnesium, inhibition of the NKCC system will result in hypocalcemia and hypomagnesemia. Loop diuretics have a short duration of action, but can be very effective in the acute setting because a higher proportion of sodium is absorbed in the thick ascending loop as compared to the distal convoluted tubule. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, hypokalemia, hypocalcemia, hypomagnesemia, and metabolic acidosis is incorrect because increased delivery of sodium to the collecting duct will result in wasting of hydrogen ions. Answer 2, hypokalemia, hypercalcemia, hypermagnesemia, and metabolic acidosis is incorrect because decreased NKCC activity will lead to wasting of calcium and magnesium because these ions require potassium leakage to be absorbed paracellularly in the loop of Henle. Furthermore, increased delivery of sodium to the collecting duct will result in wasting of hydrogen ions. Answer 4, hypokalemia, hypercalcemia, hypermagnesemia, and metabolic alkalosis would be seen with thiazide diuretics, However, calcium and magnesium reabsorption is decreased rather than increased by inhibition of the NKCC in the loop of Henle. And finally, answer 5, hyperkalemia and metabolic acidosis would be seen with potassium-sparing diuretics such as spironolactone. However, inhibition of the loop of Henle will increase sodium delivery to the collecting duct and subsequent wasting of potassium. To leave you with a bullet summary, loop diuretics will lead to hypokalemia, hypocalcemia, hypomagnesemia, and metabolic alkalosis. And moving on to the final question, an 82-year-old male with osteoarthritis, hypertension, and allergic rhinitis was diagnosed three months ago with congestive heart failure and resultant pulmonary edema. Until recently, the patient's symptoms had been well controlled by furosemide therapy. Since beginning a new medication for a comorbid condition, he is more short of breath. A chest radiograph of the patient shows evidence of cardiomegaly as evidenced by a widened cardiac silhouette and pulmonary edema as evidenced by a patchy airspace opacification, perihilar haze, and air bronchograms. Which of the following medications is likely responsible for these worsening symptoms? And the choices are 1. spironolactone, 2. naproxen, 3. Xaluton 4. montelukast, and 5. hydrochlorothiazide. The correct answer to this question is two, naproxen. So concurrent administration of both NSAIDs like naproxen and loop diuretics like furosemide results in reduced efficacy of the diuretic. To quickly review, loop diuretics inhibit transport by the sodium potassium chloride symporter in the thick ascending limb of the loop of Henle, resulting in increased excretion of fluid and ions, otherwise known as the diuretic effect. In addition to their diuretic action, loop diuretics also stimulate prostaglandin release. In turn, this vasodilatory prostaglandin release leads to elevated renal blood flow and thus increases in both GFR and renal tubule drug delivery. NSAIDs inhibit prostaglandin synthesis, minimizing the diuretic effect of loop diuretics. O'Brien and Chenubotla discuss treatment options for edema. A multifaceted approach includes sodium restriction, diuretics, and of course treatment of the underlying condition. Elevation of the legs can be useful for some as well. Downey describes the effect of NSAIDs on renal function. Inhibition of prostaglandin synthesis by NSAIDs can markedly reduce renal function in susceptible patients, especially those with underlying renal dysfunction. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, spironolactone is a potassium-sparing diuretic that acts as an aldosterone receptor antagonist in the cortical collecting tubule. Spironolactone does not reduce the efficacy of loop diuretics such as furosemide. Answer 3. Zolutan is a 5-lipoxygenase pathway inhibitor that blocks the formation of leukotrienes from arachidonic acid. It does not affect prostaglandin synthesis or interfere with loop diuretic action. Answer 4. Montelukast is a leukotriene receptor antagonist. It does not affect prostaglandin synthesis or interfere with loop diuretic action. And finally, answer 5. Hydrochlorothiazide is a thiazide diuretic that acts in the early distal tubule to inhibit the reabsorption of sodium chloride. It does not interfere with the mechanism of furosemide and does not affect prostaglandin synthesis. That's all for this review about loop diuretics. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullet Step 1 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.